ora and welcome to Tea with the High Commission. I'm Iona Thomas, British High Commissioner to New Zealand. Welcome to our podcast. In this podcast, we explore the connections between the UK and New Zealand through conversation with some very interesting Brits and New Zealanders. I invite you to join in the conversation by leaving comments and questions. Kia ora. I'm James Arachi, the Science Advisor for the British High Commission. And today, in Tea with the High Commission, I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Teresa Pankhurst, a medical researcher based at New Zealand's Malagan Institute. Dr. Pankhurst is the first recipient of a new fellowship to improve health outcomes for Māori. And as part of this fellowship, Dr. Pankhurst will work at the UK's prestigious Babraham Institute at Cambridge University for the next two years. So Dr. Pankhurst, it's a real pleasure to have you here with Tea with the High Commission today. Thank you so much for joining us. Kia ora, James. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and um, the name of this podcast is Tea with the High Commission. So I'm enjoying a coffee at the moment. I wonder if you could share with our audience uh, what you're using to help you with the interview. Yes, I have a cup of coffee and a drink of water. Oh, awesome. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, look, I, I was really interested to um, hear in the news about this new fellowship and you being the first recipient of it. I was wondering if you could just start by um, shedding a bit more light on, on what that's all about and what it means for you. Yeah, so I guess to explain the fellowship, it's first to acknowledge Te Rungi Māori, who are an independent group of Māori experts who provide advice to the leadership team at the Malagan Institute. And so Te Urungi translates to the steering paddles of, of the waka or the canoe. So the name really symbolises the guiding role that they have um, in um, helping our approach for equitable health outcomes for Māori at the Institute. Um, and so Te Urungi Fellowship was established to provide um, career opportunities for young Māori biomedical scientists. Um, so for me, that's been, you know, the opportunity to go work at the Babraham Institute um, and be part of Churchill College at Cambridge. And then another really key aspect is uh, for Te Urungi Fellows is incorporating aspects of Te Ao Māori into the research that they conduct, um, as well as in their personal journey as Māori. So this could look like many different things for individual Māori, but for me, it's been um, about um, improving my te reo, uh, building relationships with other Māori researchers and Māori health research facilities, and communicating my research um, primarily to Māori media channels. Yeah. And that's very uh, impressive. I, I noticed that you mentioned about uh, communicating your research, and uh, I've seen you in a number of news outlets talking about your work. Like, why is that important to you, that aspect of science communication? So I think it's really important because ultimately when you're you know in the lab you're doing these experiments doesn't really mean anything unless the people around you know what you're doing and why it's important and they need to you know ultimately we're trying to understand more about you know the human body and biology to make better therapies and ultimately we want people to want to take those therapies to help um, whatever disease or infection that they have. So I think from the early stage, it's important for people to be engaged and involved at what you're doing so they have that understanding when a new therapy goes into the clinic. I'm really lucky when um, I started out in, in my career, I was working at Cancer Research Campaign in, in the UK and there was a very um, vibrant professor back then called Professor Gordon McVie. And he, he had a massive influence on in my life because he was just electric. He could walk into a room and talk about cancer research and it just make you feel that everything was possible. Hmm. Um, and I was wondering, are, are there any people around you or, or, or are there people that you've come across that really in, that have inspired you to get involved in science and, and, and the science communication aspect? 
Yeah, so a few people. I mean, I guess from an early age, I had some excellent science teachers who really supported and, and, and harnessed my interest in science from a young age. Um, but in terms of people that supported me and encouraged me to really enter science was my parents, 100%. So um, I've always had the most supportive parents who recognized, you know, from when I was eight, nine years old, getting into science, they really wanted to, yeah, help harness that. And um, so, you know, I, I come from quite a, a sporty, athletic family. So when I took an interest in science, I was a bit of a black sheep for a bit, but there was always so much support and, you know, a lot of sacrifices made by them to make sure that, you know, I got a good education and that I always had time to prioritize my studying over the years. So, um I'm very lucky to have had that. And then I think um, seeing how much that they sacrificed and believed in me made me want to take science all the way. So that was, you know, for myself, but also for them. And I had initially sort of naively thought that doing a PhD was, you know, taking it all the way. That was kind of the end goal, (laughs) the greatest thing that I could ever do. Um, But I think, you know, the world has opened up so much to me now. So it, it feels like the PhD is just a beginning. So... Um, that's very exciting. But yeah, parents 100% have been the biggest supporters. Oh, that's a great story. Yeah. And on, on you talking about the world is starting to open up, um, it's amazing that you're going to be going to the UK soon as part of the fellowship uh, and be studying at the Babraham or working at the Babraham Institute. Are you able just to um, talk a little bit about the kind of work that you'll be doing there and, and how that connection came about? Mm-hmm. Um, So I'm joining Dr. Michelle Linterman's lab at the Babraham Institute, um, which is an institute that focuses on research to help us understand how our bodies change as we age, Um, with the idea being that, you know, modern medicine has extended the average lifespan considerably. Um, But with that, as we age, we are a lot more prone and vulnerable to a lot of different diseases. Um, And in a lot of cases, we can be less responsive to therapies as we age or, um, for example, make less protective antibodies following a vaccine. Um, And so Michelle's lab focuses on the aging immune system and vaccine responses. Um, And her lab have done a lot of really important work looking at the germinal center, which is this round structure that forms in your lymph nodes. So um, this is where your white blood cells, like your B cells and your T cells, congregate in a lymph node during an infection or after a vaccine. And so in this germinal center is where your cells communicate to make antibodies that will go off and fight the infection. Um, And so they found that as you get older and older bodies, uh, the germinal center gets a little bit squashed and the cells inside get a little bit lost and they aren't located where they need to be in order to make those antibodies. Um, So as a result, uh, the amount of antibodies you make as you age reduces. So I'll be working in that field, characterizing the changes in the germinal centers as humans age, with the idea being that if we can fully understand and really pinpoint what's missing that leads to that dysfunction if we can kind of correct that or supplement that within a particular treatment that you can correct how protective antibodies are made which ultimately will help protect you know our elderly which are the most most vulnerable people like that's really important and relevant work because i think uh, michelle linterman's lab played quite a big role in the uk when uh, when they were rapidly trying to test the effectiveness of the new covid vaccines on on the elderly population yeah, yeah, that's correct. So they, um, 
did some really important work testing the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine. Um, so they have these these models, um, so aged mice, it's a really fast way to test antibody responses. So she has this really lovely system where she can test vaccines in older mice and it can kind of give you an idea of um, what the, the antibody responses are like relative to a younger mice, which can give you an idea of what will happen in people really mind-blowing stuff but I'm, I'm fascinated as as how you as a researcher based in Wellington came into contact with Michelle Linterman in Cambridge yeah so, yeah so Michelle's a Kiwi herself so originally from the Kapiti coast I believe um, so when she travels home to visit her whanau, um, we're lucky to have her come and visit the Maligan Institute where she um, will give a seminar, update us on her on her research and meet with the researchers like myself. So that's how I met her, um, was at the Maligan Institute. And um, I was really interested in her lab's work, particularly there's a bit of overlap between what she does and things I have experienced in the past with immune responses to vaccines. So from there we talked about um, you know, potential postdoc opportunities and I guess the rest is history. I think it's, it's very useful, especially because robust, cutting-edge research, it takes a village, um, it takes nationwide, it takes international collaboration, and I think even more so as an early career researcher, meeting other researchers who have been doing this far longer than I have, um, and are world-leading experts, so learning from them is really key to building yourself up as a scientist in the research that you do. Um, and whilst I've met, with, met and worked with a lot of incredible experts here in Aotearoa, um, having this opportunity in the UK is really exciting for me to get outside of my comfort zone and to see how cutting-edge research is done on the other side of the world. Um, and so I'm very grateful to have that opportunity. So um, you'll be there for two years, won't you, at, at the Babraham yes. Institute? Yeah. Which is it's going to be a really exciting chapter in your life but I was wondering have you got any plans about what happens next uh, after your work there yeah so um, in the next after the next two years I'm I'm still pretty open-minded about you know potential opportunities that might arise you know I've learned over the years things happen and, and your career can change or you know research opportunities come up um, but in the long run I'll definitely come back to New Zealand you know I think I'll, I'll miss my family too much um, so I don't think it'll be too long before I come back here and, and continue working in immunology. Yeah. And the field of medical research is really high uh, high visibility uh, at the moment because of the world response to COVID mm -hmm. and, and all sorts of new treatments are coming out um, but there's also a lot of setbacks uh, involved in medical research where you could be working for 10 years on something and it might not go the way that you thought it would. I'm just interested in, in, in whether you face setbacks in, in your career and, and sort of a few tips on, on how you might deal with those. Yeah, I guess, especially because, you know, in science, you're asking a particular question, designing an experiment to try and address that question. And at the end of that experiment, you get an answer, whether it's the answer you expect. Most of the time, it's an answer you do not expect that can sometimes be frustrating, but it's almost always equally interesting. So you have to, I guess, going into research, just be prepared to 
fail um, or you know to have your science not go as expected that was definitely a huge learning curve in my PhD was just learning how to adapt to the data and learn that you know science is science it's quite unforgiving and you just have to follow it and um, all of that um, but also particularly for me during my PhD I started in 2018 so you know 2020 came around and at the time I was working on um, vaccines for pandemic influenza so that you know the, with all the lockdowns and things you know my research was put on hold for a really long time which was it, it made it quite difficult during my PhD not physically being able to be in the lab um, there were some some upsides you know being at home I was able to focus on other things like writing and reading and, and things like that but that was definitely a big setback um, I guess in terms of you know um, advice for people that go through similar you know, tough moments in research is just to know that it will happen like you will inevitably go through tough moments and you just have to um, you know you'll always have a good support system around you your supervisor your lab group your family and just like don't be afraid to to talk it through and just understand that you will um, you know you will need to adapt to the science because you can't tell science what to do. <laughs> uh, that's quite a good phrase, you uh, can't tell science what to do. Um, so you're at the Maligan Institute of Medical Research, which is a New Zealand uh, medical research institute based here in Wellington. Uh, what kind of work are you doing there at the moment? So at the moment, uh, I work in Dr. Lisa Connor's lab at the Maligan Institute and also Tehiringa Waka, Victoria University of Wellington. Um, and so in Lisa's lab, we're interested in improving immune responses to vaccines. And there are um, a few of us in Lisa's lab who are also a part of the Vaccine Alliance Aotearoa New Zealand, VANS, um, which is a, is a wider cross-collaborative team that's um, been working on a booster vaccine for a, a New Zealand um, booster vaccine for COVID-19. So that's sort of what I've been working on. I think I saw in the news, was it an announcement last week or two weeks ago that there was an update on that booster vaccine? Yes, so um, our preclinical work on the booster vaccine um, has recently been published, so that might have been the, the updates that you saw, and that's been really exciting for us because um, in that work we show that the booster um, completely protects mice from infection with COVID-19, um, as well as the strong immune responses that it induces that leads to that protection. Um, so the aim now is to take the booster vaccine into a clinical trial here in New Zealand. Um, and we really just want to show that this sort of work is possible in New Zealand, so uh, that we have the capacity to design, test and manufacture vaccines from the ground up. Um, similar to the growing our growing work in the RNA medicine space, which has really huge potential, um, not only for COVID-19, but across a wide variety of disease areas. Um, so it's a very exciting field to be involved in. Um, and I can't wait to see the impact that this research has and how it could you know, change the landscape for New Zealanders yeah. that need to access life, life-changing medicine as needed. So it's, it's a game changer. Yeah, like definitely is um i'm i'm following it with uh interest and there's lots of kind of informal uk and z collaborations going on around pandemic preparedness that it'll be wonderful just to uh, maybe in a year's time come back to this podcast and see how some of them have blossomed hopefully so the fellowship looks really exciting in that there's an ambition to improve health outcomes for maori 
you're going to be studying or working over in the UK for a couple of years. Is, is there anything happening in the UK or in Dr. Michelle Linterman's labs that you think that sort of piqued your interest about how that could possibly be of value to New Zealand? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the things that really interested me about this, the, the aging immune system and how we're trying to improve health outcomes um, as people age. I think it's important um, for te ao Māori, you know, our elderly, you know, your, your kuro, your nana, these are our whānau taonga. These are the people that we really want to protect the most when a pandemic hits or whatever else. So I think research that really focuses on helping the most vulnerable in that sense is really valuable knowledge for for Māori um, so that's something I'll definitely be reflecting on a lot and, and trying to think of the research that I'm doing in the in the context of te ao Māori and trying to always bring bring it back to that when I can. So it's so exciting uh, that you're the first recipient of this new fellowship and one of the goals of that fellowship is to improve uh, health outcomes for Māori. But I'm really interested in your perspective about why it's really important for Māori to be engaged in the research itself. It's important because, you know, it's the right thing to do when conducting research in Aotearoa. So, you know, not only do we um, have an obligation as scientists to address the issues faced by New Zealand people, including equitable health outcomes for Māori, um, but in honouring Te Tiriti o Waitangi, we need to constantly adapt and progress to um, to how we conduct research, how we prioritise what areas are important to conduct research on, and then ensuring that we can create a research environment that's inclusive of Tereo, of, of tikanga Māori, Mātauranga Māori, one that's inviting and supportive for young and up-and-coming Māori biomedical researchers. Because, you know, I believe when you have all of that in the mix, that's how we generate the most robust research that's specific to the needs of Aotearoa, which, you know, will, will ultimately create better futures for all New Zealanders. Uh, when I was studying medical history at, at university, I was like really impressed with uh, the Hippocratic Oath because it's quite famous for something like do no harm, but mm -hmm. it's also that you, a researcher should understand the airs, waters and places mm -hmm. of a particular area. So that yeah. idea of localised research for the benefit of, of local people is, is, is really powerful. Mm -hmm. Like there's lovely stories in there about the exchange of knowledge from one part of the planet to um, the other. Have, have you ever seen any collaborations in the news where you've been really like blown away by how different groups were able to cooperate? The collaborations that we made through the Vaccine Alliance, which has involved the Maligan Institute, Victoria University, Otago, a bunch of other um, New Zealand-wide institutes and research facilities, but it's also involved a lot of collaboration, for example, with the University of Melbourne, um, with the NIH in the United States, who have helped conduct a lot of um, of protection testing in, in animals to make where they have the facilities where they can... Um, test our vaccines and then infect the mice with, with COVID-19 to measure how well it can protect. So without those collaborations, we wouldn't have had all of the, the really um, robust data that we have in that area. Yeah, like, thank you. That's a really powerful example. So uh, it's been amazing to get an overview of, of your kind of research at the moment and, and, and the connections that you're starting to make internationally but i'm really intrigued when you're a medical researcher what's what's like a typical day for you when you work at the maligan institute 
The answer is there is no typical day. Every every day is different. Um, so sometimes I'll have you know a week where I'm in the lab all day every day, and then the week after that I'll be at my desk analyzing you know the, the ton of data that that we've just generated. Sometimes it's more of a 50-50 split across the week or even the day where I'm in the lab versus at the desk. Um, sometimes I'll be more busy writing up a paper, reading literature, um, going to a lot of meetings, a lot of meetings weekly, um, or preparing data for presentations. Um, but I do enjoy that every day is different and yeah. it keeps it fresh. Yeah. So look, um, it's going to be a really big step for you. You've, you, you've got a very successful career here in New Zealand, like you've mentioned, the importance of your family. And then as a person, you're going to be heading overseas for two years and we're very grateful that you've chosen the UK to work in but uh, are there some things that you might miss more about New Zealand? Yeah so I'm very close with my family so they all live down in the the South Island so I always plan trips to go visit them and that's where I really recharge and that helps me through the you know the the stressful times in science so mentally preparing myself that I won't have that in the UK which will be tough but um, you know they they all recognize that this is an incredible opportunity and they are so excited for me to head over so and my parents have planned they are going to come over um, and visit me and because you know I'll miss all of mum's cooking so she's like I'm gonna get in the kitchen cook you up a bunch of you know stock up your freezer with some yeah. homemade meals so I'll be counting down the days for that to happen so my mum was uh, she visited me from the UK uh, about two months ago and she did oh, exactly that so I've got like a fish <laughs> a pie thing, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got four or five dishes in my freezer I've been very careful about when I actually uh, break them open just just on that note i did a little bit of preparation knowing that you were going to be based in cambridge and um i've got two hot tips so oh, so so two of james's you. hot tips for you um so there's a cafe called the black cat cafe which yeah. apparently is home to an authentic kiwi flat white oh uh in cambridge and then also uh, the university of cambridge have got one section of their botanic gardens is is called the new zealand garden so it's got lots of New Zealand plants there for you if you have a walk around. Thank you. It's some hot tips. I'll definitely check both of those out. Yeah. Cool. Um, so is, is there any particular recipe that really puts you into your like family comfort zone? So, Mum's Sunday roast, where it's just the lamb, the mint sauce, the gravy, the roast vegetables, cauliflower cheese, yeah. peas, all of that. I'm going to really miss that. And oh. Lasagna, yeah. pavrols. Yeah. But yeah, I'll definitely get spoiled when I, you know, come home to visit and stuff with all of yeah. that. Yeah. And then sort of looking to being in the UK, uh, aside from the work that you'll be doing at the Babraham Institute, are you are there things that excite you about when you're going to be heading overseas? Yeah, so because I've never been to the UK before, so everything's going to be new and exciting. Um, you know, I'm excited to just walk around the streets of Cambridge with just, you know, the different architecture and the nature and the history and all of that. Um, also, you know, my Pankhurst ancestry, we originally come from England. So there's a lot of, you know, Fano ancestry over there that I'll get to explore. And, you know, my dad's laid out, there's like a Pankhurst house somewhere and um, doing all of that research will be really cool um, and I also have tickets to see Beyonce in July in London so I'm very excited about that the UK just gets a lot more exposure to live bands than yeah. New Zealand so that's a win for me uh, also um, are you in, into sports are there any sports teams that you'd like to 
I'm always trying to get people interested in football. <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm keen to get involved in the culture. I mean, I from New Zealand, I've obviously grown up watching the rugby and the World Cups in France next year yes. or this year. So yeah. um, if I get the chance to go see the All Blacks, I've never seen the All Blacks do a hucker in person, which is like a bucket list thing for me. So maybe that'll be my chance to go support yeah. our boys in black but yeah i'm keen to go to the football as well oh great well <laughs> i'll keep my fingers crossed that you get to see the uh, all blacks play in person yeah we've uh, interviewed a number of scientists over the past few years on this podcast and, and i'm always interested in uh, people sharing their tips to people who might be listening going oh i'd really like to get involved in science i've got no idea how to take my first step so is there any tips or advice that you could give to some of our listeners yeah, so what comes to mind for me, you know, at the sort of the high school level was when I, because I was very into science at that level, but I was, it always felt a bit daunting because, you know, you think of scientists, there's a particular image in your mind of, um, you know, a, a, a genius Einstein-like person and that can seem a bit unreachable for a lot of people. But I would just say, because this was the case for me, I was never like, you know, the, the top student in my year. I was never that person that I guess people would expect me to be where I am now. I would just say it doesn't, it just takes hard work if you want it, if you're passionate about it. It doesn't matter if you're not like, you know, a, um, inherently you know a, a genius it's just it, it just takes the passion and the willingness to do to do the hard mahi I also come from a family you know as I mentioned a very sporty athletic family I'm sort of the first to go through um you know postgraduate education so for me it was um I was learning everything for the first time I didn't fully understand the the structure of academia and how everything works so if I would just say when you're navigating that, just be prepared to just adapt and, and learn from the people around you, your supervisors, your, your peers, find other people who are going through the same experience as you and just, you know, ha have that, that wraparound support if possible because you really can't do it alone. Yeah. You've built a very successful career for yourself here in New Zealand. You're playing a really important role in that vaccine alliance, Aotearoa. You're going to be soon moving to the UK. Like that's a lot of things going on in your life and um, so how do you uh how do you take time to relax and have you got any relaxation techniques <laughs> for when things get a bit tough yeah um so at the moment i've been really into the gym gym's been a great de-stressor for me um especially leading up to this big move and all of the planning and things involved um outside of that i'm quite a homebody so i like to relax you know just at home with my friends um, I, I live with, you know, two of my best friends, so, and they have a greyhound. I take the dog for long walks, like, you know, watch a lot of trashy reality TV, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Like, that, that's how I like to de-stress. You know, different for everyone, but I tend to like to slow down yeah. um, and go to the gym, yeah. So have you got a personal favourite trashy TV series at the moment? Is there a guilty pleasure that we should know about? Love Island UK is on at the moment. Um, and it's yeah. great when I go to the UK, I can watch it in real time on ITV. So yeah. I'll miss Shortland Street though, but I'll gain Love Island UK. Oh, cool, cool. I'm, I'm sure you'll be able to, I'm sure there's a way of you being able to pick up um, Shortland Street Hopefully. as well when uh, you go. Yeah, well, that's good. So you, you're getting introduced to the finer points of UK culture exactly. through uh, Love yeah. Island. Right. It, it's not a favourite of mine but maybe I'll, I'll sit down and watch an episode this evening um good luck <laughs> yeah. do you go to comp like, i know everything's been hard like with covid but like, 
I know conferences are, are generally quite important for mm-hmm. science. Is is that something that you have you been out and about on the conference circuit? Yeah, so I was able to go to two conferences before the pandemic. So I was early in my PhD. I went to we have ASI, the Australasian so Science for Immunology, um, in Wellington, and then I went to another conference in Brisbane and then you know things shut for a very long time and and that was hard as a PhD not getting all of that experience in but um, especially in the past two years I've been yeah a lot lots of conferences in Australia um, in New Zealand which has been awesome after I moved to the UK two weeks after I move I'm speaking I'll I'll be um, presenting at a conference at Cambridge so kind of be um, slingshot right into it and, and meeting all the people there which will be cool yeah it's a great way to meet people and talking about your research there so what will you be speaking on at this uh, conference in Cambridge so I'll be speaking on the work I did during my PhD over the past two years so um, which has actually just been accepted for publication so I'll be I kind of have a nice you know story from my PhD and a nice um, presentation that I can can use to introduce myself to the researchers there. And in our conversation, you've mentioned immunology quite a bit. Mm. I'm, I'm just wondering, uh, for the benefit of our listeners, could could uh, you give me like a little one minute snapshot of, of, of what immunology actually is? Absolutely. So immunology is the study of the immune system, which is our body's natural defense system made up of white blood cells. Um, And they all have very distinct jobs to protect our body from particular germs or diseases, and they help repair damage. Uh, So the cells of our immune system, they circulate the blood, they live in different organs of your body, Um, they can reside on the mucosal surfaces or your skin, um, you know, areas that regularly interact with the outside world, so they're poised to constantly protect you from germs you encounter on a daily basis. And so to study immunology is to try and understand on a fundamental level all of these complex processes and how and learn how exactly the immune system coordinates their specific actions against a variety of threats in the body. And then how can we use that knowledge to generate new therapies or um, you know, uh, interventions that harness the power of the immune system to help protect us from infections, but also of other diseases where we believe all disease, at, at the center of all disease is the immune system. So we can harness the immune system to treat cancer, to fight against asthma, um, literally anything involving um, an inflammation. Yeah, it, it's such a thrilling time for science. Mm. Uh, I'm. I'm a big fan of the potential for immunotherapy. So mm-hmm. I'm actually sitting here rubbing my hands with joy at, at, at the honour of being able to um, interview you. Uh, so Dr. Pankos, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the uh, podcast today. You know, the story of science is about determination and um, having that vision. So for you to be able to take New Zealand's work and connect it with the UK is something we're really excited about. I, I hope we can have you back on the podcast again to see how life for the UK is starting to pan out for you. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, thank you so much for having me. I've had a great time having having this all. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tea with the High Commission. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can find us on iTunes or Spotify. Thank you very much. And Kakite Anno.